I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And guess what, Horwat? It is opening day PPG. I know people used to say opening day PNC, but it is opening day PPG Paints Arena as the Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Arizona Coyotes later tonight in Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about that matchup very heavily. We're also going to break down Saturday's matchup briefly, but where I wanted to start, because that's how you ended last episode, and I'm interested. You know, you you piqued my interest, Horwat. You said that, you know, acting as a stockbroker, buy stock in Josh Archibald, the Penguins' 12th, maybe 13th forward. Why do you believe that stock should be bought in Josh Archibald? Yeah, it's buying stock in Josh Archibald. Coming from me, who has never bought stock in his life and stopped sports betting after maybe five bets. So I'm not a gambler, and I'm not a stockbroker in any stretch of the means. So don't take my word word for word here. But when you talked with Brian Metzner on Penguins Lunch, I was listening closely this time. I usually don't. No, I'm kidding. Yes, I do. Wow. <laughs> but that okay. one specifically I was actually paying attention to. Um, and you brought up Josh Archibald, and he had mentioned something that – not too many people realized or thought about when the re-signing happened. Um, he lays the body. He's only five foot ten, but he lays the body like nobody's business. Um, when he Brian Metzer mentioned any team he's on, he's normally around the leaders in hit totals. And if you just look at the numbers, that's really true. In fifty-two games in his last full-ish season of the. 2020-2021 season with Edmonton. Those 52 games, he had 192 hits. Laying the body. Uh, the season before, he played 62 games, had 165. He's going to lay the body. Brian Metzer said that the banging and the crashing of someone like Josh Archibald is something that the Penguins were missing last year. Someone to clear clear space, clear ice, and open up opportunities. Sure, he's going to play in the fourth line. But sometimes those players are difficult to play against, and those hit totals continue to be just about the average. He has 660 career hits in only 243 career games. It's an average of just under two, I believe, per game. I forget what it is exactly, uh, or something stupid like that. It's pretty high, though. And in the final preseason game, he had five in the first period alone with the Penguins. So like, his style of play is still working in the Mike Sullivan system. And that trend should continue, assuming that he's playing tonight uh, in the home opener once that lineup comes out and we see what kind of stuff he can bring. He's not here, and it's not going to be known for his goal scoring. He's not going to be here to pick up assists, but it is everything away from the puck that he's going to drive his own sort of play for. Um, and you, I think we talked about it a long time ago. I forget what exactly the topic was. But he didn't make. A, he's not making a league minimum contract. They gave no. him a little extra money, and that, and with what Hextall said when the signing was made, uh, a little extra confidence. So he's not here on league minimum. He's here on the good, the good graces and the good word of Ron Hextall. So he fits their mold very well. And by there, I mean Hextall and Brian Burke. Mm-hmm. I think you may not like it, and you may not have to agree. 
But Josh Archibald's going to be in this lineup a lot more often than we were expecting when we first signed him. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Hextall and Burke. Honestly, the way that he's played throughout the preseason and from everything that Metzer has said and you've kind of seen and you've mentioned early on is sounds like Mike Sullivan guy to me. You know, quick, physical, loves the forecheck, doesn't slow down, pain in the ass. It sounds like somebody Mike Sullivan would like to employ. And you mentioned the physical side of the game. Whenever I think about the rest of the Penguins forward lineup, the only other guy that I could think of that's overtly physical is Jason Zucker. There's nobody else that throws the body around all too much in the Penguins lineup. And the Zucker one's just a different sort of conversation because, yeah, he throws the body around, but you know that's not his main purpose, and you know when he does it, at times it can come at his own expense with how, not brittle, but he's injury-prone. You don't want him doing that all the time. Sure, every now and again, because that's just the game he plays. He plays a hard-nosed game, and that's going to happen. But let's say... If you lose Jason Zucker because he tried to lay a big hit and he's the one that got hurt, you feel something different than Josh Archibald doing it because, again, he's not scoring you the goals. He's not the highlight real player, but he's going to throw the body. He's tough as nails, and he he might be just turning 30, so he's not the young kid, but you know exactly what he's going to be, and that is the one that throws the body around and is the pest. It's I don't remember who tweeted or even what game it was. But someone was getting into a scrum with Josh Archibald, and he was just smiling in his face. I think like, that might have been the last one like, against the, the Sabres. Like Kenny Pickett, just smiling in his face, laughing. <laughs> it's that's exactly the type of tenacity that every Pittsburgh team needs. If you want to talk about Kenny Pickett doing it, that's awesome stuff. Sure, this team is sure the Steelers aren't great. No, but it's fun <laughs> no. having someone who cares that much and is that confident in themselves, mm-hmm. despite how. Okay, in Kenny Pickett's case, despite how little uh, experience he may have, or in Josh Archibald's case, how little he may be, that's called confidence. I mean, yeah. what is one thing Brad Marchand does very well? He's a pest. Yeah. And you know he's not big. I cannot remember his height off the top, uh, but he's not a big dude. Yeah. So just having that sort of tenacity oomph to the game, it helps a lot, and Brad Marchand is only 5'9". He's shorter than Josh Archibald. I did <laughs> yeah. not know that. Okay. So he's got a, yeah. he's also got an inch on the rat. So Yeah, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. And we'll see that from Josh Archibald this year. Like you mentioned, $900,000 contract, one-way contract. Uh, I believe it's also waivers exempt or not waivers exempt he would have to go through waivers so expect to see a lot of Josh Archibald especially early on in the season but let's move over to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Arizona Coyotes we're going to take it from either side of the puck we're going to start with the Pittsburgh Penguins side though what are you watching for on the Penguins side in game one in game one what I'm watching for aside from Josh Archibald I mean just to be honest with you um is how good this core and how hungry this core is continuing mm-hmm. to be. It's it's a little harder to really have the discussion of because obviously they're hungry, and obviously they're great players. But you want to see if there's anything different about them this year considering two new contracts were signed. Mm-hmm. We're all kind of aware this is it in a way. Sure, not just this season, but next season. But we're all aware that the fight for that one last Stanley Cup, or you never know, that those two final Stanley Cups – begins tonight and you have to see what it has to start from day one you want to see if those three Crosby Malkin and Latang specifically still have that drive and can still carry play like no one's business and of course you're going to watch for everyone else around them mm-hmm. uh, like can Jake Gensel start his 50 goal campaign off on the right foot can you know Brock McGinn is a fun one can he become some something new and improved upon from what last season is and of course we have all six defensemen that um we weren't sure what it was going to look like until literally yesterday yeah yeah no the defense is definitely you know give or take you got nine guys that six of them can only play in the lineup at a time or you could do seven and 11 forwards but I particularly don't subscribe to that being a smart way of deploying your hockey team but uh, we aren't going to see it on opening night. It'll be six defensemen. It seems like P.O. Joseph will slot in on that third pairing. So, yeah, I, I like that. I-, I think that watching the core, especially when there was a chance that they weren't all going to come back, how important it's going to be to them and how special it's going to be 
to be back on that ice, especially, you know, in, in warm-ups, in those introductions coming out. It's going to be a special night at PPG Paints Arena. While it's not the beginning of the end, it's not the beginning of the last dance, it is a moment that they weren't sure was going to happen a couple months ago. So it'll be fun to watch uh, their emotions and the emotions of everybody in the crowd tonight. Yeah, for those guys specifically, you have to figure... Um, I know the... I'm trying to remember how like the introductions go. I think it's if it's alphabetical order or number order, you got to go... It's usually number order, but I'm not sure if they do the captains all last, which is what they should do. That's exact. I think they do that, and if not, they at least should. I know they have before, mm -hmm. so why not again? Just because that makes it all the more special, because you know those three guys are the main pieces here, and I can just you can see standing ovation happening. You know they get to the point, and just immediately people start rising. You know it's going to mm -hmm. happen. You know that that's going to be the vibe of the in the building that night. And it's going to be the vibe all season. Mm -hmm. Watching those three try and tackle, like I said, one, maybe two, if we're lucky. Uh, final kick at the hardest trophy to win in sports. Yeah, and Sidney Crosby spoke about that with the media. I believe it was on Tuesday afternoon talking about what it's like going into a new season what his excitement level is like, and really what his main goal is, which that, that answer will not surprise you. And we have the audio here courtesy of PittsburghPenguins.com, so take a listen to what the captain had to say about the new season. Uh, it's a fresh start. You know, you, you think about the things you try to learn last year and last year's experience. we got a lot of guys that were part of that. Um, but, yeah, it's an opportunity to, um, you know, to chase the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's, that's why you play every year. So I think I'm just... I'm looking forward to it that way. Um, you know, it's just just an opportunity again to compete and uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, play for the Stanley Cup. Reaffirming the desire for that fourth Stanley Cup in his career, the sixth one in Pittsburgh Penguins history. That is Captain Sidney Crosby, courtesy of PittsburghPenguins.com. Obviously, that's the goal. We don't really need to get into that all that much. But let's look at what else to watch for. We'll get back to Crosby to end out this segment. But... The only injury heading into Game 1 seems to be Teddy Bluger. He is still not practiced in a full contact capacity with the team as of yet. He is day-to-day. -day. It seems like his status is in doubt for at least Game 1. It looks like Ryan Paling will fill his role as the fourth-line center. And then the question becomes, who's going to be that 12th forward once Bluger returns? Does Paling stay in the lineup and just bump to a wing? Or does Josh Archibald, who we already mentioned, get that nod? Uh, if you would just give out like a quick answer, who do you think would end up being the 12th guy and who's 13? Uh, I would assume, despite how, you know, no. I'm, I'm going to think Josh Archibald gets that bump, gets the love of being 12 and paling just because he's younger and has a little more room to grow in a different sense that uh, Sullivan's going to want to see what he has in Archibald before he does paling. Mm -hmm. I think it's a weird system that, Sullivan likes to deploy. We know this. He likes being a little tougher when he can, a little grittier in certain ways. Not overly aggressive like Ryan Reeves, maybe, but um, in certain ways. And Josh Archibald can, Archibald can bring that. Whereas Paling, it's he's. We know he's rebuilding, but he's still kind of unproven, and that's mm -hmm. that might hold him back a little bit. They might switch off on and off quite a couple of games here, but yeah. Um, I expect Josh Archibald to get the nod first, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing when you're talking about all of these guys is they're going to be part of the Pittsburgh Penguins penalty kill unit, which is basically a, a revamped unit heading into this year. Of course, last season they finished third in the National Hockey League on the man disadvantage, but this year... Plenty of new faces on that penalty kill. Paling, as we mentioned, Josh Archibald will get some time. Kasperi Kapanen will be moved to the penalty kill to get some more ice time in that capacity. And Jan Ruda. Ruda is somebody, and I wrote an article on it on InsideThePenguins.com a couple weeks, or last week, I should say. He's a guy that he played the penalty kill when he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but last year he was fifth on the team among defensemen in penalty kill ice time, despite being second on the team in games played among defensemen. So he was a guy that was the, the, the fifth rotation piece, or if somebody was injured, he would step in. So now he's going to take on a larger role. He's going to be on a fixed penalty kill unit. We'll see what he's able to do with that added pressure of continuously playing on the man disadvantage. Uh, moving on quickly, obviously one big storyline to watch, especially as it kicks off tonight at PPG Paints Arena. 
There's a couple of prove it penguins. Excuse me. There's a couple of prove it penguins in Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen. What do they do to get their season started on the right foot? Of course, Zucker playing with Evgeny Malkin, Kasperi Kapanen playing on that third line role, playing on the penalty kill. What do we see from these guys and how do they start this campaign where one of them's on a contract season and another one just got affirmation from the front office that there is faith behind him. What does he do with that information and how does he take advantage of it? Well, in Jason Zucker's case, he just has to remain healthy. He doesn't have to do much right away. He's going to want to get off the off the blocks pretty nicely, right? He's going to mm-hmm. want to do something to really show himself right away. I think his roster spot is at least pretty certain until we're not going to have the conversation of a healthy scratch for Jason Zucker until for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. whereas Kapanen, that conversation is going to come a lot quicker if this is even making sense. It's not a matter of Kelly Kapanen needs to get off the blocks properly right away. He mm-hmm. needs to look effective in game one, into game two, and right into game three. Whereas Jason Zucker, we understand that despite him being in a contract year and um, wanting to get off on the right foot, if it doesn't happen in game one, it's not the end of the world. We have other people who, are, who should be taking the mantle first before Zucker can do that. I'm pretty much giving Zucker a little bit of slack here. Yeah, that's what it, it sounds like. And I also think the Penguins are going to give that to Kapanen. I, I know that the leash is a little bit shorter because of how bad his season was last year. And, and for Zucker, it was mainly due to injury for, for his downfall last season. Kapanen was healthy the entire year. I believe he played in 79 games last year, only missed three. So he doesn't have the excuse of, hey, you're coming back from injury. You're battling on and off. So he really needs to take the bull by the horns here with that reaffirmed confidence and with that reaffirmed just backing by the Pittsburgh Penguins and take advantage of it from the get-go. I mean, him, Carter, Heinen, that could be a lethal third line for the Pittsburgh Penguins, something we will get into in episodes down the line, but they all need to play to their potential. We saw that at times from Heinen last year. We saw that early in the season last year from Carter, and we saw that in the first season back in Pittsburgh from Kapanen, but we didn't necessarily see it in 2020-21. So what we need, sorry, 21-22, my years are getting mixed up. But uh, no, I I think it's going to be very important for both of those guys to get off to a hot start. And that's not lighting the lamp on night one. It's not not that serious, bro. It's, uh, It's more like look good, play good, feel good. That's what they need to do on tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. But to end off this segment, I want to talk a little bit about the captain, Sidney Crosby. We already heard from him talking about what the goal is, and it's pretty obvious. It's a Stanley Cup. You know, it's Stanley Cup or bust for Sidney Crosby for the next three years. And then, of course, he said he's going to reevaluate once his contract is up and see where he's at at that point in time. But entering year 18, I loved a graphic that Penn's PR put out earlier this week, and I'll throw it up here for our YouTube viewers. The longest tenured captains in NHL history. With tonight's game, Sidney Crosby will enter and become a captain for the 16th straight season for the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is now tied for second all-time with Joe Sackick of the Colorado Avalanche and the only person to be a captain for longer than Sidney Crosby now is Steve Eiserman, his childhood idol with 19 seasons. If Crosby plays out his contract and that's it for him, he will finish with 18, one behind Eiserman. Who knows if this is even on his radar, but he could chase that down and, and add another notch into his belt for the longest tenured captain position. Just weird stats, isn't it? He loves going after those sorts of things. <clears throat> we don't know, again, we don't know exactly what his career will look like in two years. We don't know what the health will be. We don't know what the personal life will be, so... While this is absolutely an attainable goal and something I would not be surprised to see Crosby achieve because not only would it be the, the record for this statistic, but of the, of the player he'd be surpassing. his mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, his childhood idol, Steve Yeisman, the one that he grew up idolizing and wanting to be as good of a leader. Uh, at this point, he could become the better leader and be more successful, I mean, maybe not more successful, but in terms of championships, I'm trying to remember how many uh, Steve EY had, but he has that opportunity to really become synonymous. I mean, he already is synonymous with the name Pittsburgh Penguins, but to surpass his childhood idol is just something special that you would have to assume uh, he's all about and willing to do. 
I'm trying to look it up really quickly. How many cups does Steve Eiserman have? I feel like it's three. It is three. Steve Eiserman has three. So one more Stanley Cup would pass Steve Eiserman. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it would tie the great Wayne Gretzky. So clearly some things that are on the mind of Sidney Crosby, but more on the mind probably of us that is watching and, and, and listening and talking than the mind of Sidney Crosby. But with year 18 means, yeah, Sidney Crosby is 35 years old. And he did have a nice little you know, subtweet of a comment when he was talking to the media a couple days ago. We have the audio here, courtesy of Penguins.com, on what the Pittsburgh Penguins' identity might be heading into this season. Uh, I think speed. Um, I'll say the word experience. Um, another word that's been used a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I think that's something that you need to create, though. I mean, it's one thing to say it, but uh, that's something that through your play and, and through habits, that's something that uh, you want to establish. So every team will tell you that's what they want to try to do in the first 10 games is really establish that, and that'll be the challenge. That's Sidney Crosby talking about, yeah, everybody's saying about experience. Oh, we got experience. Basically saying, yeah, we hear you. You think we're old. But when Sidney Crosby is challenged, Sidney Crosby usually steps up to the challenge and knocks it out of the park. So with Crosby entering his 18th season, Let's see where he's at milestone-wise. I'll bring the graphic up here. Obviously, he hit the 500 goal mark last season, but with 1,108 games played, he has 517 goals, 892 assists, and 1,409 points. Horwat, I think we all expect him to hit that assist mark probably in the next month. So he'll hit 900 assists, but he needs 91 points to hit 1,500 on his career. I've already stated several times on several podcasts that I expect a century mark season for Sidney Crosby. Does he hit 1,500 this year? I believe so. Yeah, you said 106 to be specific. I think I'm fully landing on 101 as a total, mm -hmm. uh, just because 100 seems too clean, and I <laughs> wanted to switch it up a little. So, yeah, I think he can absolutely surpass 1,500 points in a sing for his career here um, and doing it this season. And he doesn't, like, like we're looking at, he doesn't have to hit 100 to do it. You know, just... No. Be over a point per game and a few extra, and he's good to go. I think mm -hmm. that'll be as because his legacy need, needs to be a little more cemented. Yeah, just a little bit. I I think there's question as to what his legacy is at this point, right? Ninety-one points this year will sure add another <laughs> another paragraph to the Hall of Fame plaque. Yeah, I, I like how you just basically blew off my sarcasm where you're like, yeah, all right, shut up, Berlansky. It's early in the morning. I don't need your shit. Uh, but no, Sidney Crosby, I, I think we all expect him to hit that 1,500-point mark, which would be phenomenal. I mean, I wrote a story earlier in the year about how he could become a top five point scorer of all time and what paces he needs. Scoring 91 points is well above the pace, I believe. So uh, if he does that, He'll be in good shape for that. what I was talking about. But, I mean, Sidney Crosby entering this year, what we've seen is it seems as if he is fully ready to take on the reins and be that guy again this year. I mean, and it seems like it's year three. As Hunter Hody said when we were on Locked on Penguins on Tuesday, he said he's treating it like it's year three despite it being year 18. So I think it's something that everybody should be excited about as Crosby enters the year healthy for the first time in a couple seasons. Yeah, this is something that we should all be excited for because no matter what way you look at it, uh, for all three of these guys, we'll bring Latang and Malkin into this conversation. They are on the back end of their careers here. You could mm -hmm. say the back nine, but sure, Latang's got some years left now. Um, Malkin, at least four. But you still have to, no matter what happens, win or lose, cherish these guys for uh, what they've brought to the organization over the years and just for how blessed we all are to be watching this to be walking on the same earth as them you know it's a little different i think kevin weeks put it um pretty nicely whenever he said uh you know if you've got holiday gift ideas take your time and see a pittsburgh penguins game you mm -hmm. know ask for tickets whatever you have to do and see these guys um play out their rest of their careers together it's something special and regardless of win or lose you have to appreciate just how uh, special that these guys are for the team and for the city.
Just ask Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Of course, the end of a massive era in Steelers football earlier this year with Big Ben Roethlisberger retiring. Yeah, a new era is nice. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a change. But Pittsburgh Steelers fans right now are, are not loving the change as the team right now is slated to take the first overall pick in next year's draft. Plenty of time to change that. But for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it all begins tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. We previewed it a little bit. We're going to preview it even more coming up after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Berlansky, he's Horwat. Pens start tonight, games are here, everything's exciting. Penguins take on the Arizona Coyotes. Puck drop slated for 7.05. For those of you heading to the game, just a couple quick reminders from us here at the Tip of the Iceberg. Try to be in your sheet seats at 6.50 as that is when the pregame festivities will begin so if you don't want to miss it as me and Horowat discussed what that will be earlier on the episode 6.50 is the scheduled start time everybody who is going to the game tonight will get a magnetic schedule and a Pittsburgh rally towel so it's going to be a fun atmosphere Horowat we're both going to be in the building tonight and we're going to watch the Penguins take on the Arizona Coyotes now to preview this game we need to first tell everybody where the Coyotes' heads are at entering this season. We, we already heard from Sidney Crosby, it's Stanley Cup or bust. The Coyotes, on the other hand, the team is in full-on crash for Connor mode. And not Connor McDavid, that would be Connor Bedard, the prospected first overall pick for the 2023 NHL draft. If they don't get it, to be completely honest, Matvey Michkov is slated to go second. The dude is also very, very talented. He might not be Connor Bedard good, but... Only time will tell. We all expected Shane Wright to be in the same position. He ended up going fourth to the Seattle Kraken. So we have Bedard and Michkov, both teams between <laughs> between the Arizona Coyotes and also, you mean, the Chicago Blackhawks will be in that race. The Philadelphia Flyers will be in that race. But right now, I, I feel like the front runner probably has to be the Arizona Coyotes. So that's where they're at entering the season. Add on to the fact that they will not have Jacob Chikrin for this game tonight as he is rehabbing a wrist surgery that he had over the summer. And he remains on the trade block entering the season, probably for, I believe, the third straight season for the Arizona Coyotes. So that's where they're at entering the season, Horwat. What do you expect from this team later on tonight? I don't expect much. I think if, if we were playing them in Arizona on that college campus... You might think, okay, these guys, these guys, and the new Kachians are going to want to set something different, just because the world is down on them. Sure, they want to uh, tank for the first overall pick if that's what their actual goal is. But at the yes. same time, you have to understand what? you're going to win some games regardless. You're not going to go 0-82. Yeah. No. Why not bust out a good, a big win, prove that you can be something one day? and beating a veteran team like the Pittsburgh Penguins. But again, it's on the road. It's Pittsburgh's home opener. It is the Penguins' home opener after these contracts got re-signed. We know the vibes are going to be they're going to be up in the building. So, I mean, I'm not expecting a complete shellacking just because the Penguins mm -hmm. are notorious for not playing great at home openers. But um, I don't expect much to come from the Arizona Coyotes Watch out for the Coyotes uh, in their home opener, though. Like I said, no one believes in them. Everyone's talking about this settling for the first overall pick thing. In that college arena, in that weird atmosphere, they're going to want to prove something wrong. May as well knock out one of their early wins right away. Yeah, yeah, Arizona State's going to be... Actually, I feel like that's going to be a really cool atmosphere there. I, I, I really do, and I, I think everybody's down on them. I think it's a really interesting wrinkle to their season because they're not going to be a good team 
Like, I, I hate to continue bashing on a team that is clearly in a rebuild, but they're not going to be a good team when you look at the Arizona Coyotes. And last year, they weren't a good team either. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins did sweep the season series, took it 2 to nothing, and neither game was particularly close. I mean, the first game on January 25th, a 6-3 to win on home ice for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby had a three-point performance, one goal, two assists. That game was actually close, I will say. Until the third period. I mean, it was a scoreless first. It was 2-2 two to two after 2. And Carol Vimelka, who we'll talk about in a minute, where a lot of people say, who? He's a guy that can steal games. We saw it last year. There were a couple of games where he doesn't necessarily have the best team in front of him. And he can still go out there and steal it. He's a National Hockey League goaltender. And he was kind of a diamond in the rough for the, the Arizona Coyotes last season. And with a year under his belt, I expect him to be pretty good this season. But... The Penguins ended up scoring four third-period goals. I mean, the cream rose to the top, as I said at the time, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And realistically, when you look at it, and then the second game was a 4-1 to win in Arizona for the Penguins. Crosby, again, two goals. So last year, Crosby had five points in two games against this team. The cream rises to the top eventually in these games, and I don't expect anything different tonight between the Pens and the Arizona Coyotes. No, he really, and you really shouldn't. It's just... Like I said, if it was Arizona's home opener, maybe the vibes are a little different. But because mm-hmm. they're starting on the road, and you may say that the atmosphere is going to be great. It might be great. It might be fun. It might be different. But it's just not the look of a professional hockey team. I get that NFL teams in the past have shared with college football stadiums. That's different. That is a much different animal. College football mm-hmm. stadiums are – there are some college football stadiums that are bigger than NFL stadiums. Hell, actually, I've looked this up once. The top – Five or six biggest stadiums in the country in terms of attendance are all college football stadiums. So, honestly, it's bigger for an NFL team to play in certain college football stadiums than it is for uh, their own. So, But when a hockey team that is already, you know, the, let's be real, the fourth biggest sport in the country, playing in, a, in Arizona where hockey is notoriously not popular, um, tapping them... I, I think it- I think it's I think it's gained steam. Like I, I know it what has. you're talking about. Like comparatively to the Northeast and Canada's True. markets, it's yeah. not. But like it, it is, it is a lot bigger than people do think. And I I think when you give them a good team, Vegas has proven it. When you give a good team, people get a lot more interested. And the Coyotes haven't been good for ten years now since 2012 when they went to the West Finals. Something like that. But it's not. It's obviously not the traditional hockey market. Fans will be a little quicker to jump ship. If, if you get what I'm saying here and mm-hmm. throwing them into a stadium that can't fit that many people. Um, if they're, if they play their cards, right, there is a positive way to turn this. And that is make student nights a thing. You know, I get that it's not college hockey, but they have a great opportunity to have a pretty bright future in terms of having a fandom, right? Mm-hmm. You literally have 18 to 22 year old demographic right there. Take advantage of that because then you can have fans for life. That's a whole different thing, though. Uh, I just don't feel the vibes of Arizona right now. And apparently things are not as good as people think. Also, the Arizona Coyotes broke Dom Dom's from the athletics. Yeah, they broke his (laughs) thing, man. Whatever that was. They broke it. That's how bad they are. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're in full-on tank mode. But, I mean, think about what it's going to look like five years down the road. Brand new arena in Tempe, Arizona. Connor Bedard heading into his third or fourth season. Austin Matthews signs there as a free agent. The vibes are going to be immaculate in Arizona. Filled with fans that I said are like 23 to 27-year-olds. Because they grew up, and they're all ASU grads. The, the, The tailgates are just frat parties. It's Do it. Make exactly. a they have a great the NHL. Do that. That would be awesome. It would they be really awesome. Opp- yeah, they have a great opportunity here to build something, but I just don't see it happening yet. Yeah. Because you do have to but, put a winner but, on the ice. Well, now that we've done the State of the Coyotes address, let's get back to the game coming up tonight. Uh, obviously, we expect Carol Vemelka to be the goaltender in net. Their backup, I just had it in front of me. I cannot remember. They just got him. Matt Irwin, I believe is his name. Uh, or, no, Connor Irwin, I believe. He played for the, the Predators last year in the playoffs. He was their third string goal. Connor player. Ingram. But Connor Ingram. Why did I get Irwin? I don't Matt know. Matt Irwin is a retired is player, a I believe. Yeah. Maybe but a moving on. Point. 
moving on. Uh, Carol Vimelka is going to probably be your starting goaltender tonight for the Arizona Coyotes. And like I said, he's a guy that can steal a game. He's a guy that can stand on his head. And when the Pittsburgh Penguins do have a tendency to play down to their opponents or get goalied by random goaltenders, Carol Vimelka's in a good spot for that. So he made 36, or sorry, 30 saves on 36 shots against the Penguins last year in that first game at PPG Paints Arena. So he is no stranger to playing in the old paint bucket. So we'll see him. And then let me pull up their lineup courtesy of Daily Faceoff here in just a second, because when I look at their lineup, no, there aren't very many weapons. No, there isn't much to be afraid of, especially in the forward lineup. I won't even mention their defense because it is, uh, it is rough. You know, their defense is not great, Bob, as it were, but you know, looking at their forwards, a guy like Clayton Keller or a guy like, uh, Nick Schmoltz might be somebody to watch from this game. And that's probably where the goals are going to come from, to be completely honest. When did Nick Bugstad get there? Uh, this season, I believe. You look at you look at these line this lineup, and you say, "Oh, these are names. They're for sure names." Like Nick Bugstad's mm-hmm. a name, Brad Hayton's a name, Lawson Krause, Zach Cassian. They have opportunities, but nothing's going to come from it. Um, it's just this is a lineup to pick apart. That is for sure. Uh, when your first line mm-hmm. center is Travis Boyd, things are not going well. Yeah, yeah, that's it's not a great look, but there are there are names like you mentioned. I mean, we talked about Keller, we talked about Schmaltz. Each of them had two goals and an assist against the Penguins last year, so it's not like they haven't had success. Uh, Lawson Kraus is a tough guy to play against. He's going to be tough in front of the net. I mean, we, we saw the Penguins add a lot during the summer, saying, "Hey, we want to be better in front of our own net." There's their your first test. It's Lawson Kraus who's going to be right in Tristan Jari's kitchen. Same with Nick Ritchie on the other side of that second line. These are guys that like to play big, like to play in front of the net, and you're going to see that tonight against the Penguins. But I I think, again, the cream is going to rise to the top. I mean, Zach Cassian, Nick Bugstad, these guys aren't the the cream of the crop. Jack McBain, it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. He was a highly coveted college free agent that was, I believe, traded by the uh, the Minnesota Wild because he wasn't going to play for Minnesota. So it'll be fun to see what he's able to do if he makes his debut tonight. But it's a lot of puzzle pieces that are just thrown together in order to get Connor Bedard. And at the end of the day, that's all it is. If, and if you can tack on <clears throat> Connor Bedard onto someone how we've made it this far without even mentioning Logan Cooley, who still has to eventually make it up the system, I'm telling you, that could be a good team in the future. But again, things got to go right. Yeah, and, and Cooley is going to be interesting, fun to watch, all of that jazz, but there's a reason that he's not in the lineup, and there's a reason that he's not going to be in the lineup till towards the end of the season because it's better for his progression to not play on a team like this season's edition of the Arizona Coyotes. So we're going to move on from the Coyotes. I think, you know what, actually, before we do so, we're going to maybe try something new this year, Horwat. What is your prediction for this game? Oh, man. Uh, and by new, I mean maybe potentially keeping track of these predictions. So what is your prediction? Penguins-Coyotes opening night tonight. I'm going to go with a good old 5-1 to one victory. 5-1 to one victory. You, you're predicting a blowout on opening night. And honestly, I see the same thing. I don't know if I see 5-1. to one. I think it'll be a 7-2 to two game. <laughs> oh, you didn't see that blowout and then you just added on another goal for or a few extra goals i was trying to talk myself out of it but we did just see that lineup like we talked about it we saw it and we didn't the look Pittsburgh at the defense Penguins. because you said it was that bad it's bad like shane goss despair is the name on that defense oh man so it's not good carol vimelka is gonna need to stand on his head but I see the same thing as last year. Eventually, the cream rises to the top, and the Penguins get a big boost early on from their home crowd at the continuation of the Crosby, Malkin, and Latang era. But let's move over and talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning game on Saturday night. Obviously, that might be the only reason the Penguins don't blow out the Coyotes tonight. Big look-ahead spot. You're taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, the three-time back-to-back-to-back Eastern Conference champion of, you know, the NHL. So looking at that game, Tampa Bay obviously lost to the Rangers on opening night 3-1, to but Andre Vasilevsky still looked like peak Andre Vasilevsky. 36 saves on 39 shots. Steven Stamkos with a laser power play goal for the lone tally. They didn't look bad 
I will say the Rangers did look better, and we'll talk about them as their games near uh, grow nearer. But last season, the Penguins won the season series two to one, blowouts all around, a six to two Pens victory, a five to one Tampa Bay Lightning victory, and then the season ended with a five to one Pittsburgh Penguins win. So what do you think about this matchup really quickly before we head over to our Stanley Cup predictions after a quick break? Which matchup? The Lightning Rangers? Uh, the Lightning Penguins. Oh, Lightning Penguins, yes. Um, they're a difficult team. They always are. Obviously, we discussed the three-time defending and still Eastern Conference champions. Um, mm-hmm. They are a difficult team despite losing pieces. They somehow still have the main the main great group of guys in Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Corey Perry's still there being a pest, Pat Maroon is still there being overrated. And then obviously that's just the front end. Victor Hedman on the back and 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 Mikhail Sergachev again on the back end. Is he still on their third line? I believe he's still on their third defense. He you know, he might have bumped up because they lost a lot of defensemen this offseason. I mean, McDonough is gone. Uh, I believe who's injured. Somebody's injured down there too. They lost Jan Ruda, obviously. Uh, and then I believe it is um, Bogosian is injured to start the season. So they're missing three defensemen from last year. Just stupid that a player of that skill set is on their third line of, de- yeah. of defense. And then obviously uh, Vasilevsky and that needs no introduction. So they're a difficult team for sure. It's interesting. It's fun that the Rangers, it's not fun. The Rangers beat them out, but they are human. And mm-hmm. things can be faltered with them. I think I don't think they get back to the same heights that they have this year. I think this is finally the not the end of the road, but uh, their step back. Mm-hmm. And the Penguins will have to take full advantage of that every chance they get this year, and it starts on Saturday. Yeah, it's definitely a, a matchup that is, is must watch. I will not be watching the matchup, unfortunately, but uh, I will be having a lot of fun on Saturday night. Not watching the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins, but. Rest assured, I will rewatch it. That way we can talk about it on Monday's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. But when you look at this matchup, I, I think it also helps that the Pittsburgh Penguins, after Thursday night, are off until that game. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning will play the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday in the city of the fifth line. But we're going to take a quick break. Again, I keep forgetting this. Any predictions for Tampa Bay-Pittsburgh? Ah, another prediction. That one's harder. That one's harder because we don't know what this first game has looked like yet. Yes. If I'm going to just keep, I'll just keep it close and say three to two and eh, let's go two and oh, let's take advantage of the lightning three to two victory for the penguins. And we just kind of have to keep it close. I think the fact that this game is played at PPG paints arena is a big help to the Pittsburgh penguins. I think if anybody watched the longest yard, this is a tune up game for the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Arizona Coyotes before they take on the real competition of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. This is going to look really bad if they lose to the Yotes tonight. But uh, tune-up game. Kick the living shit out of them, you know, if anybody's seen the longest yard. But uh, I'm going to go with a 2 to nothing victory on Saturday night. First shutout of the season for Tristan Jari. Uh, I, th- I know that's out on a ledge because the, you know, Everybody loves the offense of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but two to nothing. That's what I'm going with. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return really quickly, our Stanley Cup predictions and teams to watch around the league. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We're running a little long today. We hope everybody has stuck with us to this point, but it is opening day PPG for the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously. We're very excited. We have a lot to talk about, and I completely forgot about this, Horowat. We were on Locked on Penguins with Hunter Hodes. Go check that out. It was Tuesday's episode. The two of us go went and joined Hunter, and he asked us a question at the very end. And for some reason, it caught me entirely off guard. And that was, who are our Stanley Cup predictions? You know, it's that time of year, and we give out a Stanley Cup prediction every single season. 
But for some reason this year, I just did not think about it in the slightest. But I'm rather okay with the, the, the matchup that I picked there off my back foot. So I'm going to, you know what, set my feet. And I'm still going to throw the ball downfield to these two teams. I'm going to go with, in the West, the Minnesota Wild. Because Kirill Kaprizov is a bona fide star. Like, he is. Now, despite what Brian Boucher had to say on opening night on ESPN, Kirill Kaprizov is a star, and in my opinion, he's a bigger star than anybody that plays for the LA Kings. But you have him, you have some young guns there that are going to make a difference this year. Marco Rossi, Kalen Addison, Matthew Boldy, who I didn't mention on Tuesday's episode. And you have a guy in Marc-Andre Fleury that has shown the capability to run the gauntlet. He is a Vezina Trophy winner not too long ago. He is a three-time Stanley Cup champion despite only playing in the clinching game in one of them. But And he's taken another team to the Stanley Cup in the Vegas Golden Knights, not to mention the first time he went with the Penguins back in 2008. So good goaltending, really physical team defense by the Minnesota Wild as well. I think Dean Evason does a fantastic job there as a coach. I like Billy Guerin as a, as a GM, and I just like their positioning in the West heading into this season. So I have the Wild, and in the East, it's tough. We both said it on Tuesday. It is tough to pick a winner out of the East. It is basically impossible. But I ended up going with the New York Rangers. It looks good after Tuesday night. I will say that. It looks like a good prediction after Tuesday night. Goaltending and special teams always very important. The Rangers have that in spades. One more year of growth from the kid line and Kako, Lafreniere, and Heedle. I think that's going to be vastly important. And I do think they'll be better this season than they were last at 5-on-5. Five five. Not that Vinny Trocek's all that great of an addition, but I do think the team as a whole will improve at 5-on-5. Five five. So I have Rangers versus Wild, and I'm giving it to the guys from the snowy north of the United States. The Minnesota Wild win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history this season. Quite a bold take. Quite a Matthew Boldy take, actually. <laughs> I did it. I did it, guys. Yeah, when it came to my predictions, too, I really was not prepared at all for that kind of question i'm still really not <laughs> to be fair i'm just looking at i just have the list of all 32 teams in front of me and <laughs> well <laughs> and we know we can knock names off that definitely won't make it i.e everyone arizona we discussed before arizona <laughs> philadelphia other teams that are just into the nonsense chicago's down there but it's hard to pick out two team, one team from each conference that can make the right noise i remember on the recording i chose calgary out of the west and then i just straight up did not choose an east team because who's got the ability to make it we talk toronto as being a popular pick well can they get out of the first round first we don't want to make that pick just because they're so uncertain um you don't want to pick the penguins just because we don't want to look like homers Really? I mean, if it, it, listen, it's a decent people pick, will say people will say we're homers, but I tr I try not to have any homers. And I hope people that listen to this understand that. And I hope it comes across like that. And I feel like you do the same thing. Pick the Penguins if that's who you believe. Who cares what other people think? If that is truly what you believe, pick the Pittsburgh Penguins. If it's not truly what you believe and you're just hoping for it, then don't do it because then you're a homer. Yeah, well, uh, that might be the point of me, but. Looking at some of the other teams, you think Florida, well, what can they actually do in the postseason? They have a weird new system, a new lineup. Mm -hmm. um, Carolina, again, can they do it, though? The Rangers, I mean, as much as you say they looked good, that's game one, but can they still do it? Yeah. Um, yeah, because on with on with uh, Hunter, I just straight up did not pick an East team. Uh, he, I missed that. I thought you did. No, I don't think we ever came back to me. I don't think I ever actually fully answered one, but just because it's fun, it's the fun answer, and you know what? I will be the homer. Why not knock in the Penguins? I think Calgary and Pittsburgh was my was my postseason prediction last year, so well, we'll just roll with it. Ride the train, Horwat. Ride the train. And, uh, and now we can all say safely say, and uh, I, this is a, a public service announcement and also – a comment that goes directly out to Hunter Hodes as well. Noted question ducker Nick Horwath. Absolutely. When it comes to <laughs> picking a team out of the East right now, yeah, absolutely. Now, Horwath, I'm not going to let you duck the last question, but uh, who wins that matchup between the Flames and the Penguins? I know Redeem Zahorda might play a big role for oh, Calgary, man. but who wins that matchup? Uh, you know what? Uh, Pittsburgh. There's number six. Number six and number four for Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Christopher 
Latang. But before we go away, I do want to mention a couple other teams to watch. In my opinion, I think the Seattle Kraken are going to be a fun team. That's an ESPN Plus team for sure to keep an eye on. Matty Beneers, Shane Wright, both going to be electrifying centers for the Kraken this year. And they have a, a lot of fun forwards. It's weird. You know, if you if you want to go back and watch Turbo, if you want to go watch Jared McCann, they have Oliver Bjorkstrand that they added this summer. So it's a lot of fun out there in Seattle. Another expansion team, I like the Vegas Golden Knights. They got a win on day one. Jack Eichel's first full season in a long time. I love Logan Thompson, Horwat. I do. He's not a Vezina guy, but you know what? He's going to be just good enough for the for the gold cloaks of the Vegas Golden Knights. And Bruce Cassidy is also a good coach, you know. Underrated move there, getting him instead of Pete DeBoer. Uh, and also, really quickly, the New Jersey Devils, I'm going to watch them because I expected them to be fun this year. Other people are very high on the New Jersey Devils. Dom Lushijan has them at number two in his preseason rankings or projections, I should say, for the 2022-23 season. That's a lot. You know, maybe I thought maybe they can squeak in as a playoff team, take that next step, but a lot of people very high on the Devils. Horwat, any other teams that you're going to keep an eye on really quickly before we close out the show? Yeah, I'll keep mine quick. I talked about, I'll just lead everyone to listen to Hunter's podcast so that we were on to my thoughts on Ottawa. I think they just can be a lot of fun. But I also want to throw in Columbus. A lot of, I'm, People are still really low on Columbus. I don't think they're still that great of a team. But I love the addition of Johnny Goudreau to that team because you can't you can't stay the path or get worse when you add that many points, assuming he has even an inkling of, the, of last season. Um, I love that addition. For that addition alone, I bumped them really high on my uh, projected rankings. So... Oh, your, your projected rankings or your power rankings? Both. I bumped them pretty high just for Johnny Goudreau oh. alone. Uh, okay. They're going to be a fun team, and I, something to keep an eye on. It sucks saying that, but um, they're a team that I'm definitely going to be watching on top of Ottawa as well. Mm -hmm. The Columbus Blue Jackets, and let me say it again, the fifth line. Hey, that is, uh, no one knows that what that is going to be. We are far past that. Hey, that is an inside joke. Um, It is a secret for the tip of the iceberg podcast that you can just ask us and we'll tell you but that's gonna do it for this episode we hope everybody that's going to the game tonight has a genuinely great time i know i'm expecting to have a great time if anybody is a listener of the show and wants to come buy me a beer at milano's beforehand that's where i'm gonna be drinking before the game horwat has some work to do so he won't be able to be intoxicated but i'll be there um and nonetheless we hope everybody has a great season. Game 1 of 82 tonight. We'll be back on Monday discussing games 1 and 2 of 82. Of course, they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. We hope everybody enjoyed this little bit longer edition of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great week, Penguins fans. And welcome to the NHL and Pittsburgh Penguins regular season. See you guys.